is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. A Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy New Year, a righteous Kwanzaa, a uh, happy feast day of the... I don't know. I don't care. I just want you happy. I want you to celebrate. I want you to enjoy everything that this country has to offer because it's such a great one. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. If you want to chime in, be a part of the conversation. A lot of people uh, think I've always wanted to be on the Mark Levin Show. I've always wanted to hear my voice coast to coast on the Levin Show. Well, here's a little secret. Good day to do it. Be honest with you. You know, I listen. I'm the first to admit it. I'm not the great one. I'm the pretty good one. I'm not going to lie. I'm the pretty good one, but I'm not the great one. And uh, and it's a good day to call in and engage. It's something you want to get off your chest. And by the way, in this hour, a major theme of our conversation is you're being lied to. You're being lied to by the media. You're being lied to by reporters. You're being lied to even by friendly media that you think is, you know, happy and on your side and trying to give you news and information that you can really work with. No, they're lying, too. And uh, God knows the Democrats are lying, and they're working together on it. As my old friend and mentor, Andrew Prepar, used to call it the Democrat media complex. The revolving door and cooperation between people who sit behind the anchor desk at ABC News. Yes, I'm looking at you, George Stephanopoulos. You're tiny, but I still see you. And the Democratic Party and their administrations and politics. Uh, politicians. They work together. Have for as my entire adult life. And as soon as you start to, you know, peel away the curtain and show it, it's the only thing you can look at. And we're going to talk most specifically in this first hour about how they're dealing with this border story. Now, if you agree with the president and you want him to hold the line and you're fine with this so-called phony government shutdown that isn't really a shutdown, if you want him to stop everything until that wall is funded, sound off because he listens. I guarantee you he listens. And it's important for him to hear your voice at 877-381-3811. By the way, by way of introduction, I do afternoon radio in Washington, D.C., in uh, Maryland, Virginia, D.C. Uh, signal hits West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's actually uh, Mark Levin's home station there. He lives in our listening area. It's WMAL in D.C. And a whole lot of my listeners, a whole lot of the people that tune into WMAL are government workers. A lot of them are essential a lot of them, they're not, you know, the 97% of the EPA who might be furloughed right now or who might be sitting at home right now hoping to get back in but enjoying an extended vacation because they know they're going to get their money once this thing is resolved. No. These are people who ironically work for ICE and the Border Patrol. These are people who work for intelligence, who work for the military, who work at the Pentagon, who also work with defense contractors and other contractors who may not work directly for the government, but they're affected by this thing. And almost to a man and a woman, when I ask them what they want the president to do, they call in and say, this affects me. We just had Christmas. I got one more paycheck coming up, and then I don't know when my next paycheck is going to be, but the president needs to build that wall. That's powerful. That resonates. That's important. I'd like to hear from you if you agree at 877-381-3811. Are they lying to you? Yes, they're lying to you because the story of the day, it's been the story for the last 36 hours, is the death of this eight-year-old child, this Guatemalan boy named Felipe Alonso Gomez. 
eight years old, died in U.S. custody. He was picked up on December 18th. He was immediately given care. He was given food. He was given fluids. He was given juice. He was given shelter. When he was first in custody with his father, he was checked on what they call welfare checks 17 times a day. Ladies and gentlemen, do you check on your kids 17 times a day? Sure, maybe a toddler. But this is an eight-year-old. I, my youngest is 11. Love him to death. He's even special needs. He's on the autism spectrum. I don't think 17 times a day is uh, in our regular schedule. Now, I'm not trying to minimize his death. It is a tragedy. What it isn't is the basis for a political argument. It's not the crux of a political agenda. It's not the kind of thing, this death, this tragedy, this human and family tragedy of this eight-year-old boy. It's not the kind of thing that a nation sets its policy around. But that's exactly what the media and the Democrats would have you believe. Because now Kirsten Nielsen, Secretary of Homeland Security, is heading down to the border to do damage control because uh, we're told by the media that, you know, with with two children's deaths now, the Trump administration is under fire. The scrutiny is so intense that they've got to do something about this lest they look like they're unfeeling and uncaring in the Christmas season. I, okay, there's plenty of solutions as to how we can rectify this situation. I mean, not the deaths. These children are dead. It's horrible. That's terrible. Don't make them into a political football. But in terms of uh, keeping children from dying in custody to keep children from being held by American border agents, there's a couple of very simple solutions. The first is Congress, get off their butts, get back in town, and change our current policy with regard to uh, refugee status, with regard to allowing every single person who claims uh, asylum and refugee status the opportunity to have a day in court. We don't have to do that. We can say tomorrow that if you uh, claim refugee status, if you do it anywhere other than a, a specific point of entry, you are breaking the law, which is exactly this case. These two, this father and son, after leaving the mother and other siblings 2,000 miles away in Guatemala, trekked across the nation of Mexico, refused asylum in that country when it was offered, crossed the border in the middle of the desert, and were apprehended. It was only at that point when they said that they were seeking refugee status and asylum. And when asked, this father specifically said, I want a job. I'm sure you do. And, I, and it's a horrible situation. But that's not a basis for claiming asylum. It's not a basis for being a refugee. Period. No discussion. No negotiation. I don't care what happens at your hearing that you probably won't show up to. Or if you do show up to the hearing and you get your deportation notice, you'll do what all these other people have done, which is disappear. You'll hear a bunch of liberals, a bunch of Democrats going on cable news saying, oh, you know, the vast majority of people who get hearings for asylum show up for their hearing date. Uh, I agree. But then at the hearing date and they're denied asylum, they are not then put onto a bus and sent back to Mexico or back to wherever they came from. They are given a deportation date. It is between that hearing and the deportation date that they disappear. Press them on that. Push them on it. Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, get the facts out there. Don't let a talking point just sit there as if it actually bats down the obvious logical argument 
that if you come into this country illegally, you're apprehended, you claim asylum, you get a hearing, and they say you're gone, now come back in 15 days and we'll deport you, you're going to disappear. How do you think the illegal immigrants got here in the first place? How do you think they stayed? That's exactly how it happened. Congress can change it tomorrow. You know what else will help? Building a wall. Because right now, they can cross the border anywhere. And then they're apprehended. And then they're on our soil. And so we're stuck. And so we have to give them their hearing, and that's when they disappear. But if there's a border wall, everyone, whether they have a legitimate asylum request or not, is funneled through an official point of entry. It's an orderly process. It's what a nation should demand when you have tens of thousands of people pouring across your border. Your border, you should be able to demand an orderly process. You should be able to demand a legal orderly process. And part of that legal orderly process, of course, would be a wall so that they only get in to the country a few places that you have designated. Again, Congress can fix it right now. Do it. Show up. Vote. Let's go. Oh, but we'll only do that with comprehensive border and immigration reform. You know what that means? It means we only care so much about border security if, in fact, we can trade it off for across-the-board amnesty for everyone who's in the country illegally right now. And, oh, by the way, we'll build the border wall in 10 years, which will never get done. Now, if you really care about border security, why does it have to be a negotiation chip? You either care or you don't. You either want it or not. And they clearly don't. When you hear the president talk about the wall, he talks about it from a position of policy as to why this is an important thing for our immigration laws, for our national security, and for the safety, by the way, of the Border Patrol agents and these people who are trekking across the desert because they believe they're going to be welcomed with open arms. That's a very unsafe condition. It brings me back to this death. Anyone who thinks, oh, this is no problem, you're lying. The only thing is you think it's a problem if you can blame Trump or Republicans. If you really do care about these people and their plight, then you want a wall so everything is handled in a legal, orderly way. But they don't care. Which brings us to the media and the way they're covering this story. All those things that I just told you about Felipe Galonzo Gomez, the eight-year-old from Guatemala who died in U.S. custody on Christmas Eve. Have you heard any of the other details? Have you heard what uh, anything more than that? That this is an eight-year-old Guatemalan boy who died in Trump ICE custody, period. End of story. And therefore, we are inhumane and we're Ebenezer Scrooge and we're murdering children and blah, 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 blah. Have you heard anything else? Have you heard that they got 17 welfare checks a day? Have you heard that they were given medical assistance the second signs were showing that this child might have a flu or cold-like symptoms? Have you been told that they were delivered to the hospital twice on two occasions within a 24-hour period? Have you been told that at one point the father said no and refused medical attention because he thought the child was getting better? Have you heard any of that? No, you haven't. Have you heard that they abandoned the child's mother back in Guatemala along with his sisters because he wanted to take his son to America to get a job? Have you heard that? No, you haven't. Does it lessen the tragedy? No. Does it give you context into this story? You bet your butt it does. And there's one other thing. As we do, we, uh, Mr. Producer, do we have Kirsten Nielsen there? Do we have the story about Kirsten Nielsen heading down to the border? 
Can we get, listen to how the news is reporting on our Secretary of Homeland Security heading down to the border this week to uh, get a look at the situation. Listen. It's very clear that Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen is facing a fresh new crisis, and that is why she is coming to the border, you know, as a result of, of these two children who have died in the past month. And that has raised, obviously, a host of questions as to whether or not Border Patrol is up to the job, if they're equipped to handle the influx of, of Central American migrants coming to the country, especially children. Well, listen, it opens up a host of questions, all right, but sadly, not questions that were asked or answered information that was delivered to the viewers of that CNN report. The death of these two children opened up questions. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there watching that report and I'm yelling back at the television. How many die usually? How many died under Obama? Right? It's the obvious question. This story about these two children dying in the last several days at the border If it's important, if it's relevant, if it actually is some kind of game changer in how we look at our wall issue and border security and our immigration laws and what's going on right now under the watchful eye of the Trump administration and Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, it's only relevant if you can compare the death of those two children with what has happened under previous administrations. Isn't that logical? Isn't that normal? Isn't that what you're yelling back at the television? But you don't get it, do you? You don't get that information. I'll give it to you. According to uh, Customs and Border Protection, in 2014, how many deaths were there under the Obama administration of people at the border? You know, these two children, tragic as it is for them and their families, are, are suddenly the cause celeb of every news outlet and is apparently the reason why we have to drive our policy right now and completely buckle under in trying to enforce our laws. Two. So how many died under Obama? What, would you be surprised if it was more than two? What do you think? Four? Like double the amount, right? Eight? Twenty? A hundred? Two hundred? How about 313 deaths in 2014 during the Obama administration? How about 251 in 2015 in the Obama administration? How about 329 in 2016? Under the Obama administration. And uh, yes, in the first year of the Trump administration, 2017, there were 294 deaths, which is right in keeping with the previous years under Barack Obama. In other words, this is standard operating procedure. Sadly, horribly, you want to stop people from dying at the border because of the treacherous, dangerous journey they undertake going 2000 miles from Central America across Mexico, demanding to come into this country to get a job, then actually do something about it instead of using these children and using these poor, pathetic people who are, yes, looking for a better life, instead of using them to beat up Trump, beat up Republicans, and get votes. Your call's next on this. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Yeah, they're lying to you. They are. The media is lying to you. Democrats are lying to you about this border, about a whole other things. It's going to be a theme uh, going forward here on this program. Here is I am Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, everyone's lying to you and not giving you all the facts. And I'm going to do my best to deliver those facts to you so you can see a full picture. It's the least you deserve. 
And uh, not least of which is this outcry over these two children, tragic as it may be, who have died in the last week down at the border. Uh, these two children did not die because of being in custody. In fact, I would argue they probably had better care because they were in custody. And it's uh, completely out of context from what has happened under prior administrations and prior years. And you have never gotten that information. Vince Hudson, Florida. Vince, you're on the Mark Levin Show. I'm Larry. Hey, Larry. How you doing uh, on this couple days after Christmas? I hope everything Great, is man. fine for you. You too. Um, I want to just reiterate what I told your call screener. I retired from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Uh, I spent six and a half years out in California. And the way the media is smearing Border Patrol, it's just appalling to me. I mean, we had certain procedures that we had to follow whenever we took somebody into custody. They were put in a holding room. They were checked on once an hour. The officers had to sign off on a list that these individuals were checked to receive food, water. Um, After so many hours, six hours, they were able to make a phone call to somebody on the outside and relay their predicament. So it's just appalling to me how the news and the Democrats are spinning this. It's just terrible. Well, and Vince, at the same time, they'll say that it's completely atrocious and racist and demagogic for anyone to suggest that these people are crossing the border without their shots or with diseases or illnesses that they're coming to America and then make a big deal out of the kids who died because they had illnesses when they crossed the border coming to America. And they try to blame you, Vince. All right, more of your calls on this in a moment. They're lying to you, but not here. I'm Larry O'Connor on The Mark Levin Show. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Oh, there's there's more lies that the media are putting out there. Uh, We're going to touch on how they treated our military, our troops, our beloved armed forces, and the lies that they were promulgating about the president's trip to Iraq. We'll get to that a little bit later. In fact, I want to hear from members of the military and their reaction to that. Uh, but there's, 
They're really over the top about the border issue, about the first of all, they're calling it a government shutdown. Larry O'Connor here sitting in for Mark Levin, by the way, 877-381-3811. It's not a government shutdown. They're calling it a government shutdown. They keep using the word government shutdown. Are are you hearing at all from the media that you choose? Are you hearing that 75 percent of our government is up and functioning and funded because the Republicans in the Senate and President Trump, Republicans in the House and President Trump funded them weeks ago? 75 percent of our government is funded. Uh, Have you heard that they keep saying people are working without money right now? Well, their next paycheck, actually, I believe, is tomorrow, uh, if not next Friday. Their first check that is due within the confines of the government shutdown would be uh, two weeks from now. And this could very well be resolved by then. But let's just be clear here. We have been through this before. It is a lie to say, it is an absolute lie to say that federal workers are working without pay right now. They are working with deferred pay. They will be paid. It is an absolute lie to say that workers who are actually non-essential employees and not coming into work at all, who are told to stay home here the week between Christmas and New Year's, boo-hoo, that's a real hardship. And I'm sorry, guys, but let's face it. A lot of us would love to have this week off for vacation. Uh, those people will get paid when they're brought back to work. There is not one time that a federal employee during a so-called government shutdown has gone without pay. They'll get paid. Now, is it a hardship if you have to wait for that next paycheck, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you're not going to get it when you expect it to? Sure it is. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just pointing out that you're not getting told the facts. And you're certainly not getting told the facts about what's going on at our border right now, what our policies are with regard to people crossing the border illegal, being apprehended, claiming asylum status, even though there's only a very small handful of reasons why they will be granted asylum status and refugee status. If they are being, if they can prove they're being persecuted for religious purposes, for racial purposes, for political purposes, or the government of the country they're fleeing has a systematic violent policy against them for one reason or another. These same people who, you know, love to trash Cuban refugees who fled Fidel Castro because they're more conservative because they understand what communism is. They celebrate these people who are not refugees, who haven't deserved and earned the right to be called refugees, because guess what? They voted for a lousy, corrupt government. And so their government is ineffective. And even though we throw billions, literally, of dollars at their ineffective government, it's still a basket case, their government. It's still crime-ridden. In many cases, the governments are part of the crime circuit that runs those nations. Honduras is the number one murder capital in the world. So, yeah, they're trying to get out because they don't like living there. Okay, I get it. Get in the back of the line with the people who are doing it legally. Period. End of discussion. Don't cross the border illegally. Don't lie and say you're a refugee. And don't mess up our entire policies because you're trying to game the system which is exactly what's been happening for years. Pete, Hebron, Wisconsin. Pete, you're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, Pete. Hey, Larry. How are you doing this evening? I'm back. I'm good. I'm actually living in Hebron. I'm in central New Hampshire. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Hebron. Cool. Yeah, not a problem. Anyways, if you drive over 10 miles an hour through town, you missed it. (laughs) <laughs> well, what do you think of this issue? Well, you've hit it. You've hit all the key talking points so far this evening. But the other thing is this: number one, Nancy uh, Nan- Trump 
is a smart dude. He played it right down to the right down to the last stitch. When he had those two morons, Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer, right there in front for every for all the country to see, on um, he would he would take Trump would take responsibility and hit for the shutdown. Number one, the man has a spine, whereas the other two are jellyfish. It's a shame that we've come to this point, this juncture in our country. However, Trump needs to stand uh, stand his ground and and carry on with what he's doing. So if the government shut down, does it affect anybody really? No, not really. It that that becomes insignificant. They're going to get paid regardless, like you had just spoken about. Pete, do you think in the long run it it helps Trump? It helps Republicans to be standing on principle and saying, "No, we've been we've been promising the American people this since 1986, frankly, and it's time to actually deliver." And there's only one party right now who refuses to actually do what they said and secure our border, and you know who they are. Is that, is that, a, is that an advantage to them? It, 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 advantage to who? Trump or the Republican? And the Republican? Yeah. Yeah. Do you it think is, they win this? I, you know, that I re, I'm not too sure about, and I'll tell you why, Larry. Because the Republicans held the House for over two years, and they just lost the House. They've sat on their thumbs. I'm not pointing fingers just at the Democrats. I'm pointing fingers at the Rhino Republicans, Larry. They sat yeah. there on their thumbs for over two years, and they've done absolutely nothing, Larry. Yeah, this I don't disagree with you, Pete. Excuse Thank me? you, Pete. I don't disagree with you. I appreciate the call. I want to get to as many as I can. I, I think you're right. Listen, here's where I am on this at this point. Even if, uh, I'll say it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, to contemplating this, because everyone tells me that this is a political loser for Republicans. Now, you can't point to a so-called government shutdown in the past 30 years that has actually hurt Republicans at the ballot box. 94 did not hurt the Republicans. Uh, Ted Cruz in 2014, when he tried to warn us of the dangers of Obamacare, and of course, everybody found out about two weeks later how awful it was when you found out that you couldn't keep your doctor and couldn't keep your insurance and their website was breaking down. But two weeks before that, he did a filibuster, tried to shut down the government, and, and, and tried to keep Obamacare from being implemented. Uh, what happened in 2014 at those midterms? We won the Senate. We won the majority back in the Senate. You can't show me a government shutdown that was so-called blamed on Republicans that actually hurt them. But here's what I'm willing to say. If this means Trump doesn't win re-election in 2020, I'm, I, I know you're, you're, you're freaking out, but I'm serious. If we finally get border protection and get a wall, get an effective barrier that will again return us to an orderly, lawful immigration process. If we really do get it and get that wall, if we lose the Senate even, I'm willing to make that trade. I'm willing to stand on principle and do the right thing even if we lose. Now, I don't think we will, but I'm willing to do that because guess what? Now and again, these Republicans, they have to understand that their job is not to win re-election. And that, that goes for President Trump. His job these four years is not to win re-election. His job is to do what we asked him to do. So do it. And guess what? That's exactly what the Democrats did. That's what Obama did with the Affordable Care Act, with Obamacare. They knew they were going to lose in 2010. They didn't care. Let's do it. Let's get the foot in the door. Let's get the camel's nose under the tent. Let's get Joe Biden's BFD, because it was a BFD. It conceded the idea that the United States federal government had a role in regulating everybody's health insurance, everybody's health care. 
by passing the Affordable Care Act. It was a huge deal. That's why they were so intent on getting it done. That's why they they pulled strings to make sure that they didn't even have to redebate it in the Senate. They just passed the thing without any changes, without any uh, uh, amendments to it from the Senate to the House so that they could just get it done without going to conference because they just needed to get it done. They were willing to lose seats. Are we? Are you? Ralph in New Jersey, you're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Thank you for taking my call, uh, Mr. Larister. Uh, I want to say this to you, okay? I uh, support President Trump. President Trump, as I can see, is standing firm on his ground in posting to border security and the wall issue, and he get my uh, overwhelming uh, support on this. Okay, uh, there is no price. You know, they don't. They want the open border. They want mass invasion into this country. Uh, which is not working fine, as we can see over in Europe, okay? Uh, we don't uh, screen people. We don't uh, give them any kind of background check. So that only means one thing uh, for you and I. That's the uh, the diseases that's pouring through that uh, poorest southern border. Some of these people are outright hardened, criminal, bringing mayhem, chaos, anarchy into our country. Uh, is that a nice scenario uh, as far as, you know, anyone can see? Do you think that's a nice scenario, sir, that, no, that sir. I just, you know, described to you? Yes or no? No, of course not. Of course not. Okay. So, well, then, that's that's where we are right now. With I know. And, you know. That with regard to government shutdown, how come I, I'm, I'm still able to, to receive my mail? How, how come I can, I can still go to the post office and send mail out overseas yeah. or uh, domestically? How Ralph, I, because what, as, I, as I told you, this isn't really a government shutdown. As I said, this is all of those things are funded right now because Republicans in the House and Senate funded plenty of things to continue going. Seventy-five percent of the government. That's why it's not. It's, it's it's a fake story. It's not a real story. Are there a couple of people who are affected because their payments are deferred? Yes. There's not. No, they've set themselves up for a long haul fight here. And and I'll tell you something. I, th- what you just heard from Ralph in New Jersey is exactly what I've been hearing all week long since this whole thing started. Don't cave on this. This is the time. The time will never come again. And I, maybe I'm naive, but I think the American people, when push comes to shove, looking at two political parties, looking at two political figures, one of them constantly talking about national security, uh, protecting our borders and having an orderly immigration process and sanctuary process that can only be achieved by having a border wall and a legal points of entry. And you've got another side who only want to talk about politics. You look at Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Well, this is immoral. Uh, the, the, the president owns the shutdown. The president is going down in flames. Okay, that's fine. Talk about the policy. Because guess what, pals? Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, you and a majority of senators, including a whole lot of Democrats, already voted for the border wall in 2006. You got to go back to your states and say, oh, yeah, I want to protect the border. Twelve years ago. But now when push comes to shove and you got to put your money where your mouth is and actually appropriate funding to pay for the thing that you promised you'd build, that's another story. They were for the wall before they were against it. Where have we heard that before? Pete, Miami, Florida. Pete, I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I can beautifully. All right. Great. Just one uh, couple points. First point. 
Robert Frost said it a long time ago, better than uh, anyone said it in a while. Good fences make good neighbors. So um, we for sure need a border wall to make a good neighbor. Next point, I'm in South Florida. I'm a tomato grower and handler. Ten years ago, we had 250 registered tomato growers, Florida Tomato Committee, registered. Today, we have 18 in the state of Florida, one-eight. That's because a dollar an hour, they bring tomatoes across, and we cannot compete. So my theory is if you'd make those guys stop their their produce coming across into the states, they would help us build the wall, believe me. Well, that's that's a result of the NAFTA trade deal, right, Pete? Yes, but NAFTA helps everybody, but uh, the vegetable, anything they bring right. across at a dollar an hour kills us, but anything we cross there helps out the apple growers, the grain growers. So I don't think we can ever get help from NAFTA, no matter what you do. They can't tariff yeah. the product enough. Well, Pete, I understand that. And actually, uh, based on my understanding of the new trade deal, and I appreciate the call here on the Mark Levin Show, my understanding, and we still are waiting for final details on it, but my understanding of the new uh, North American trade deal, uh, what are they calling it, USMCA, uh, Canadian, Mexican, American, uh, strike that, American, Mexican, Canadian trade agreement, uh, that there are a whole lot of remedies to the problems that we have with NAFTA in terms of losing jobs, in terms of being able to uh, uh, levy costs on things that uh, the people who come to this country from Mexico then send back to Mexico, like cash, uh, a, a whole lot of things that can then be tied directly to border security. In other words, additional fees and charges that go to Mexico that then can pay for the wall. Where have we heard that before? That Mexico will pay for the wall. I don't know. I'm sure I've heard that before somewhere. And, and by the way, you probably have in-laws over the holidays here that you're going out to hang with. And they say, oh, why do we have to worry about this government shutdown? Because I thought Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Uh, two responses on that. First of all, it's just completely wrongheaded and, and has no understanding of how the federal government works. Even if Mexico gives us a check for $20 million, Congress still needs to appropriate money. To do anything. That's what the Constitution says. We can't just take a check from Mexico and then say, okay, we're going to do this. You still need to get the votes. But secondly, and more importantly, you confront that person that says it and say, oh, okay, so so let me just ask you something, because this is really about principle. This is really about values. This is about what you think the role of the federal government is in our lives, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Are you telling me that if this was a, a zero cost on the ledger, if this if this we did get the money from Mexico, if they did pay for it, you'd support it? Is that is that really it? so? So it's not the wall you're against; it's paying money to build the wall. Is that your position? I just want to be clear, and I guarantee you they're going to say, "Well, no, I still don't like the wall," and that tells you that they're they're being disingenuous with you. They're lying. They're being a hateful progressive, basically, because they try to throw up straw man arguments all the time to try to box you in a corner. Well, you box them right back. Well, I thought Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Okay, fine. So let's assume Mexico pays for it. Now, do you want the wall? No, it's wrong. It's illegal. It's immoral. We shouldn't do it. Okay, then stop with your phony arguments and let's get to the crux of it. You don't want us to protect our border. I do. Who do you think wins that argument when presented to the American people? Who do you think? I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. very clear that Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen is facing a fresh new crisis and that is why she is coming to the border you know as a result of of these two children who have died 
in the past month. And that has raised, yeah. obviously, a host of Listen, questions. it's horrible for the children. It's horrible for their families. This is not what you set a national policy over to children who died because their parents, frankly, uh, were rather neglectful in having them cross Mexico for 2,000 miles in the false hope that they could gain access to this country. But what they're not telling you is over uh, the last several years, 2014, 313 deaths at the border. 2015, 251 deaths. 2016, 329 deaths. Who was president there? Barack Obama. Well, what's more important is not that they're not telling you that. It's that they didn't care back then. They didn't care to report on it back then. You never heard this story. Percy in Los Angeles. You're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hello, Larry. Um, hey. I wanted to expand a little bit. This has just been a, you know, this just really drives me nuts uh, about the media. You know, we have this uh, wonderful clause, the First Amendment, that guarantees the free press. I get it. I'm from Canada, so uh, I have to learn all this stuff down here. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful clause, but as I understand it, that's meant for press. And press are a select, privileged few. I, not just anybody can go and walk into the you know, White House and say, hey, I'm press. I want to be here and hear what you have to say. You have to be legitimate, whatever that means. Right. And they, they need to show a little bit more responsibility in the very important role that they play. I agree, Percy. I don't hate the press. I want them to be better. Larry O'Connor on the Mark Levin Show. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor from WMAL in Washington, D.C., filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, today on this holiday week. 877-381-3811, simple question, if you are active duty military or if you are a retired veteran of the military, does it make a difference to you? who the commander-in-chief is, right? When the commander-in-chief comes and visits you, whether on base, at the fort, uh, wherever you are, and uh, and it's someone that you can rally behind, that you, you know, is every commander-in-chief created equal in your mind? I mean, I recognize and I have full respect for the fact that you know, understand, and pay great reverence to the chain of command. 
you're going to follow orders, and you recognize that the commander-in-chief is the top of the pyramid in the United States military. I get that. That's not what I'm asking. Of course you respect. Of course you follow orders. I'm talking about how you feel, whether it makes a difference that the person who is at the top of that chain of command is somebody that you can rally behind, that you admire, that you have great respect and, for that matter, admiration for. If it's someone that you voted for, does it make a difference? Did it make a difference? You'll stay anonymous. Don't worry about it. You know, I know guys in the military are and women are uh, hesitant to go too far with this stuff. Change your name. I don't care. But I do want to get your reaction to this at 877-381-3811. I know that Mark is in, Mark Levin is incredibly proud of the fact that active duty and uh, retired veterans of the military listen to this program, love this program. Uh, I've seen him at events where uh, members of the military go nuts for him. They do. They love him. Because when you swear and take your oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States, well, you want to make sure that people in America understand what that means. And nobody is a better communicator of those ideas in teaching us what that Constitution means, why we should revere it, why it's worthy of your sacrifice to step up and swear to protect and defend it, even if it means, God forbid, the loss of your own life. You're willing to do that to keep this idea of America going forward. Uh, that That is beyond uh, uh, humbling. For us, for Mark, for me, to know that uh, that you enjoy this program, that you enjoy talk radio in general. So I get it. I do. But I am so struck by the images that we saw in Iraq and the members of our military kind of going nuts for Trump. And they did. Now, listen, I'm not saying that they didn't love Obama and they didn't take selfies with Obama. And we know that they took uh, that had autographs taken with Obama, and it did happen. I know it did. I'm not saying that there's anything special and unique here. However, the fact of the matter is, and this is just fact, uh, members of the military and veterans overwhelmingly end up voting on for Republican presidents. That is election after election after election. Why do you think they try to suppress the military overseas vote so often? Because they know that those votes are going to go for the Republican candidate. That's just a fact. It's just the way it is. And I witnessed firsthand with President Trump, I witnessed firsthand how people reacted to him who are members of the armed services. Uh, I remember during the primary process, you know, I tried to stay objective during the primaries. Uh, I didn't say on the air exactly who my candidate was, and I didn't have to because uh, I'm on the air in Virginia and Maryland, and our, I'm actually a voter in Maryland. So our primary wasn't until much later. I didn't have to say who I was voting for. I said that for various reasons. Uh, mostly because I want to have all the candidates as guests. And as soon as you come out and support one candidate over the other, the other ones don't want to come on as guests. But I would have private conversations with people during the primary process, and if they were active-duty military, they were the ones who started uh, touting Donald Trump as the person they wanted to win the, the primary, get the nomination, before anyone else was really taking him seriously. It was astonishing. They were thrilled with the idea of Trump as commander-in-chief. Now, this goes against much of what you hear in the media. You know, they're all saying, oh, James Mattis is gone, and the military really only had love and respect for James Mattis, and they did. Don't get me wrong. And he was the only grown-up in the room, and he was the only one keeping Trump from going off half-cocked, and the military was really wary of him. That's not what I see. And it's certainly not what I saw in that video footage of the president and the first lady in Iraq. That was something to behold. And I think it does make a difference. But I want to hear it from you. I would like to hear from you at 
888-900-3811. Let's go to Ben Fayetteville, Arkansas. You were in the military, and I appreciate your service. Did it make a difference to you who that president was when you were serving? Absolutely. I did 22 years in the Navy. I had the uh, fortunate benefit to shake hands with six presidents. Uh, Jimmy Carter, both Bushes, President Clinton, President Obama, and President Trump. Um, look at, at the moment, it doesn't, it, it, it's big. It is really big when you meet the commander-in-chief. Later right. on, after the fact, and things change, it makes even a bigger benefit or a bigger, a bigger impact. I had the uh, pleasure of shaking hands with President Clinton, and then about three months later, we didn't get paid for 90 days. So that was one of the handshakes that I really wanted to wash my hands three or four times. Uh, <laughs> and that was because of a shutdown. That was because of a shutdown. So, I mean, yeah, it, it does make a difference as to who the president is at the moment because you know what kind of support and backing that that president is giving the, the troops on the ground. Um, at, at that moment, it's big, but some of their actions later on make it bigger. Uh, sure. When when uh, Michelle Obama said the first time she was uh, proud of her country was whenever her husband was elected. That didn't sit well with a lot of people in the military. Um, but I, I had the fortunate uh, of, of meeting President Trump. Um, both Bushes couldn't couldn't have couldn't have been bigger meeting meeting uh, George W. after nine eleven. You know. Yeah, I believe uh, that. I believe that. I saw, I saw that outpouring for President uh, W. Bush, and it was it was palpable, Ben. Ben, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for your service. 22 years in the Navy. Thank you for that. Uh, by the way, I just witnessed this firsthand at the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia. Um, my, my daughter, by the way, I should since we're talking about the military, I did not serve in the military, but I do honestly have the utmost respect and support for those that do serve, and I'm in awe of your of your choice and your decision and your commitment. Uh, but my daughter, my 17-year-old daughter, just got an appointment to the United States Naval Academy uh, uh, for her four years of college and beyond as a naval officer. So we went to the Army-Navy game. And let me tell you something, and I don't know if it translated on television, but when they announced Commander-in-Chief President Trump, that place exploded and it wasn't just the cadets and the midshipmen in the stands. It was all of their family members. It was all of their friends who went to the game. It was uh, alums of those institutions who were at that game. It was a packed stadium, 80,000-plus. Later on in the game, he was actually in a, uh, a box, a luxury box, just about 200 feet from where I was sitting. And people stopped watching the game. All they want to do was get up and try to get pictures of him and wave at him and get his attention. Uh, it, it's a serious thing. There, there is huge, and and it's funny because my kids live in California with their mother, and uh, and and things. You know, the impression of the president varies regionally, and let's face it, California is not necessarily Trump country, but they, I think, they were a little surprised at this reaction, and it was predominantly military, active duty veterans and their families, and they loved this guy, loved. Dave in Flanders, New Jersey. Uh, Dave, how about you? Does it make a difference who that commander-in-chief is? I'd say, thanks for taking my call, I'd say that I when I served, I was in from 2003 to 2008, and at the time I was very partisan in favor of the Bush clan, by mistake. Uh -huh. And when President Bush went overseas, I was elated. And I think that speaks as the gentleman who served in the Navy as well. 
before me speaking. I, I, it doesn't uh, matter who the commander-in-chief is. There is a sense of, of uh, pride and happiness when the commander-in-chief visits uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines in the field. So I, 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 I'd say back in 2003 when President Bush went to Iraq, I was very elated, and at the time I said, oh, yeah, it's because he's in the Republican Party. Well, I was very naive, to say the least, but I was very yeah. happy when he did that. And um, what can I say? I mean, I, I, I was very touched as a non-combat veteran to read the New York Times saying that Trump may have had his father help him out with the draft deferral or whatever. And I remember in 1992, a combat veteran lost to a draft-dodging, pot-smoking, in my opinion, communist. Don't <laughs> figure. Yeah, Dave, it's a great point. And by the way, that's only if you concede the point, thank you for the call, that that New York Times article is accurate. It, it, that article it could very well be one of the worst reports that I've seen this year if it weren't for the horrendous journalism attacking Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, winning that prize. Uh, it's completely uncorroborated. There's holes in it uh, left and right. But you're, the larger point is is great, because I was told in 1992 that there's nothing wrong with being a draft dodger. I was told that it was a noble thing to be a draft dodger. And let's not forget, unlike Bill Clinton, excuse me, unlike Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, while he was dodging the draft, he was bad-mouthing our country and bad-mouthing our military as a uh, Rhodes Scholar over in England, saying that he loathed the military. Loathed the military. It's, uh, to call it hypocritical, is just the beginning. But but actually, you remind me, and I do appreciate the call, uh, while we continue getting your reactions to this, it reminds me that I, I wanted to talk about this story because, again, this goes to the theme for the evening, that you're being lied to. And and this visit of Donald Trump to Iraq to visit our troops is a perfect example of it. By now, you've already heard NBC News, MSNBC, Yahoo News, Huffington Post. They all ran with this story. The headline was Trump first president since 2002 not to visit the troops during Christmas time. And no sooner did they publish that story that the well, that the news, the actual facts of the matter came out that the president had flown to Iraq that the pool reporters for the White House had actually already been placed on Air Force One, but they were embargoed and they couldn't say anything about it. You know, because it's national security. It's the commander in chief being sent to a combat war zone. You know, you don't tweet that stuff. So I'm sorry that you didn't hear that he went, but maybe you don't need to run to your uh, computer to print up a story to attack Trump just because you want to attack Trump because the story was a lie. But here's the best part. They're still lying about it because they're they're not even changing the story. The headline still says Trump uh, foregoes visiting troops the first time in 17 years at Christmas time because they're claiming that Christmas time ends at 1159 on December 25th. I'm not making this up. I am not making this up. They think that Christmas time only refers to the days leading up to Christmas and Christmas Day. But, you know, the next day and today, this isn't Christmas time. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. That th This is who they are. This is how deceitful and dishonest they are because they don't care about truth and they don't care about facts and they don't care about reporting and they don't care about journalism. They care about attacking Donald Trump and, and by extension, attacking you. They hate you for voting for this man. There's no two ways about it. And if they can ridicule you and make you feel awful and make you feel small and demoralize you so that you stop supporting him, their job is complete. Mission accomplished. 
But make no mistake about it. These are the same people who attacked George Bush when he visited the troops the first time. That's right. President George W. Bush, when he went to Iraq two years after the Iraq war began. Do you remember this story? They claimed that he posed with a prop turkey. You remember this? That iconic picture of him holding a platter of a roasted turkey with all the fixings on the side. Wearing an army jacket. I think it was airborne, if I remember right. And that great picture that somebody snapped from the White House pool that ended up being the iconic image of that trip. They then said, wait, that's that turkey is too good to be true. It's a prop turkey. We're being manipulated. We're being lied to. The White House is is uh, trying to spread their propaganda about Bush, and he's using the troops to do No, it, actually, it was a real turkey. He just spontaneously picked it up and posed with it. So the, the fundamental lesson here is that any time the lying Democrats and the lying media can attack a Republican president, they will do it, and they will do it with abandon. I know you're told that this all started with Trump. Please. Oh, please. Reagan and Bush were Hitler before it was cool. They're not doing anything new. It's the same old playbook. Thankfully, we're here to call them on it. One more aspect of this and the media coverage of it we'll get to in a moment, and that is how they, through the troops, you know, they always say how they support the troops. They love the troops. We care about the troops. No, they don't. They only love and support and care about the troops if they can use them as a political prop to attack Republicans, to attack you. And they did it again, this time, because Trump was greeted a little too enthusiastically by our soldiers and Marines and seamen and airmen. I'm not joking. That's actually what their argument was. I'll explain it and take more of your calls in a moment. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. And the, the story says that these two daughters who spoke uh, to the Times uh, are Democrats and are not fans of President Trump. I'm not saying they're making it up. I'm saying they don't know. They acknowledge that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, there are there used to be at least journalistic standards in this country that, you know, th I've been an investigative reporter for years. And there are times when you smell a story, you think it's true and you, sure. you just know in your heart it's true, but you can't quite prove it. And you have to wait until you have the piece of paper, the document, the first hand evidence. Yeah. All of that is missing from the New York Times story, which says maybe the paper wanted it to be true, but it simply hasn't proven it. Howard Kurtzer at Fox News. Uh, yeah, New York Times wanted this story about the bone spurs to be true, but they just haven't proven it. But that didn't stop them from publishing it, you see. And all of this just adds up that and they wanted it to be true that Trump didn't visit the troops at Christmas time. And uh, and they haven't rescinded that story. And then there's this. Here's our pal Acosta there at CNN, because uh, it turns out Trump did go to Iraq. He was met with an overwhelmingly positive response from uh, members of our armed services who were, who were serving and putting themselves in harmed, harm's way there in Iraq. Uh, they asked him to autograph things like MAGA hats and, and Trump 2020 things. Uh, but Jim Acosta is basically challenging. The, the president, the soldiers may have actually broken federal law by by bringing MAGA hats. Now, these are the people who say they support you, who say they love you, who say that you're the best. But the second they can attack Trump by throwing you under the bus, they're first in line. Yeah, we should get a federal investigation on soldiers and Marines and airmen and sailors 
who dared to ask for an autograph from the president when he was visiting them at Christmas time. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Christmas time. It was the day after Christmas. Well, that, that changes everything. All right. I want to hear from you. Are you active duty? Are you a vet? Does it make a difference to you who your commander in chief is? 877-381-3811. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor from WMAL in Washington, D.C., sitting in for Mark Levin today. I have the pleasure of uh, hosting a three-hour radio program on Mark's station. So uh, those lucky people in D.C., Virginia, Maryland, and the environs, they get six hours of me today. Yeah, you're right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, don't worry, Mark. We'll be back after the holidays. But uh, we are we are discussing right now this president's trip to Iraq. First, the media said it never happened, and they tried to shame him for not going to visit the troops. Then it turns out he did go and visit the troops, but they say they're sticking with their story because he went technically after Christmas, after December 25th. Make no mistake, last year when he visited the troops, it was at uh, Walter Reed Medical Facility in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, and uh, he was there on the 21st. So apparently you can be there four days before Christmas, and it's fine. But if you're there, you know, two hours after midnight on Christmas Day, then you didn't really visit on Christmas time. That's what the, that's what the media wants you to believe right now. Uh, but then it got worse because when they saw the video of how enthusiastically the president was greeted by our incredible soldiers and seamen and airmen and uh, and and our Marines, uh, they were angry about that. You know, damned if he doesn't go and damned if he does go, if the troops are actually excited. Here's Jim Acosta. Uh, his Make America Great Again hat. Uh, is that unusual to see the president doing that on base? Uh, does this run the risk of the president, you know, facing some accusations that he's turning some of this into a campaign stop? What do you think? Well, you know, this is very interesting. The pool reporters traveling said that the troops brought the hats with them, including one hat that said Trump 2020. We will have to see if that actually proves to be the case. The question is, if they if they brought them or if the president brought them. Well, we have worked told. Yeah, that's enough of them. That's enough of them. Uh, Look at what they're doing there. By the way, I love that. We were told by the pool reporters that they brought these hats. The soldiers, the troops brought the hats. We'll have to see if that's true. Do you hear what she's saying? She's saying, yeah, the reporters there told us this, but we don't know if it's true. So in other words, the reporters could be lying. The reporters could have got it wrong. So right there, she's already accepting the premise that this could be fake news. Uh, but, But I have no doubt that they brought their own MAGA hats. Because I've seen the military 
embrace and celebrate this man as their commander in chief. And whenever you hear these reporters, here's Jim Acosta. He'll be the first one to grandstand and harumph and say, oh, I, I support the troops without question. They are they're They're the best of the best. And they're, they are, by the way, and they deserve your support. But but how how much do you really support them if if you have the opportunity to actually tell a story about how happy they are to see their president, and instead you spin that story to, well, this is this could be a breach of of uh, protocol. This could be a breach of regulations. This could be a violation of the Logan Act for the president to be signing these campaign paraphernalia. Oh, you support the troops just right up to the point where you can use them to attack your political enemies. And yes, he's a political enemy of Jim Acosta and the people at CNN. I, I'm sorry. I, I, when I hear these reporters and these journalists and, and people in Hollywood say that they love the troops and say they support the troops and they want to do whatever they can for the troops, and yes, they do things for the USO, and they go and visit them and they entertain them, and I appreciate that and it's good. But when they then spend every other waking moment to undermine this commander-in-chief, to attack this commander-in-chief, to ridicule this commander-in-chief. And it could be this commander-in-chief. It could be George W. Bush. It could be George H.W. Bush. It could be Ronald Reagan. It doesn't matter. Those are the ones in my lifetime that I've witnessed, and they are constantly trying to undermine that commander-in-chief. How much do you really, really honor and support the troops when you spend every waking moment attacking the man that they support, the man that they vote for, the man that they want as their commander-in-chief have you ever asked that question pause a minute and do so meanwhile i'm taking your reactions here if you are active duty if you are a veteran did it make a difference to you who that commander-in-chief was because boy i saw it on their faces yesterday when i saw that video of trump and first lady melania trump visiting them they were through the moon would that have been the same if it were hillary clinton let's go to tony atlanta georgia tony you're next up on the mark levin show i'm larry o'connor Hey, Larry. Hey. Man, I feel very lucky that I was able to serve under uh, Ronald Reagan. Mm. I was never a lifer, but I, I can tell you this. It would never dawn on me that you would have had a commander-in-chief that, you know, used soldiers like pawns, you know, for doing different things. And all. the only thing that really sticks out in my mind is if Reagan had been the president during Benghazi, I mean, he would have moved heaven and earth to take care of those, those 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 soldiers there, and I believe that Trump would have done the same. Yeah, yeah, I think that goes without just, saying. You're at, yep, Tony, I guarantee you that's the case. In fact, if I may, I've I've had the pleasure over the years of befriending uh, a great American woman named Dorothy Woods. Uh, you may not know her; she's not a household name. She doesn't do a lot of media. Uh, her husband was Ty Woods, Tyrone Woods, who died that night, a former Navy SEAL who died that night in Benghazi. And I got to meet Dorothy uh, after that event occurred and got to know her uh, all through the Obama presidency. And she never had a public profile. And when it became clear that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee and the choice for the American people was Hillary Clinton as commander in chief and president of the United States or Donald Trump as commander in chief. That's when Dorothy Woods decided I'm going to be active. I'm going to become political. She went out and did campaign speeches. She never did. You saw a lot of spouses and you saw a lot of survivors from Benghazi. You saw a lot of parents from Benghazi who were regularly on the media. And, and I, and I make no criticism of them for that. I make no judgment of them for that. You got to deal with this event the way you need to deal with it. And it was a tragic, horrible event. But Dorothy was married to a warrior 
who who died that night and and I, I, I'll, she can speak for herself. All right, I'm not going to put words in her mouth. She has done some media appearances. She campaigned on behalf of Donald Trump that summer of 2016. And it was because she could, if she could do anything she could to keep Hillary Clinton, who was Secretary of State that night, the night her husband was killed. And then, and then she and the president lied about it for weeks afterwards. She, Hillary Clinton. If she could do anything to stop that, she would, and she did. And you haven't seen anything from her since then, have you? That was it. This is not somebody who loves the media who's constantly trying to be in front of a camera. But you mentioned Benghazi, and let me tell you something. Uh, to the people who were connected to that event, you better believe it makes a difference who the commander-in-chief is. Tony, thank you for that call, and thank you for your service. Uh, I would like to go to John now in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. John, you are the next up on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, um, I also served under Reagan, but I served my first six months under Jimmy Carter. Mm. Um, I, yeah. I what a difference. 18. I bet that was a real difference. Uh, let me tell you something. I was 18, not big into politics, but very excited that I was going to be voting that November for my first time, and my family was all for Reagan, and I was stationed at the time in California. That's when California loved Reagan. Right, and, uh, I remember. Yeah, and I voted absentee ballot, and uh, what happened about maybe six or seven months later, my uh, I didn't re- realize this, but my pay went up like a good 40%, and it was because, I guess, Reagan pushed for some bill to go through, and I went from getting about $250 a month to about $450 a month, and at that young age, like, that had an impact on me. And I said, this yeah. guy really cares about the military. So yeah. I, I think, yes, I, I think it does. You know what, though? I have to say something. You threw me. I, I, I wanted to talk about this, but then you threw me with, with the CNN story about, you know, how they're getting down on these um, these troops about. Yeah, can you believe uh, that? They're excited to see Trump. They want him to sign a hat for him, and now they're saying they violated some kind of uh, uh, c- command or some sort of regulation. Well, I was stationed. My, after, I was in California doing. Um, it was after basic training, but I, I, they uh, send you to, um, you know, your specialty. They send you to a base to learn what you're going to be doing. And I was like learning Russian to, uh, you know, do a job where you kind of listen in on Russian transmissions. I was stationed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Monterey, California. I was stationed at Tempelhof Air Force Base in West Berlin in 1982 to 1984. Um, They announced that Reagan was going to be landing there briefly make a speech to the troops, and it was all voluntary, who wanted to show up, and like, <laughs> it was packed. It, like, they, they, they had to, like, reject people from, from coming because they just didn't have the room for it. And let me tell you, he went around, he shook hands with as many people as he could. We pulled out, in those days, we had uh, Kodaks. We didn't have these phones and taking pictures and everything, and nobody thought twice about, oh, you know, is this political? Um, of course not. His, Nobody would. It, 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 Nobody sick. would. And when you brought up that Acosta story, it just like it, it burned me. Like, like good. 
these guys, these guys are in Iraq. I mean, you know what? Technically, if they're doing something wrong, who cares? You know what? Yeah. They're serving our country a- in a battle zone. And if they want their their red hat sign, so be it. Of course. And, John, thank you for the call, and thank you for your service. It's a great point, and, and that's it's so obvious to anyone watching. That's why I still think that these stories, lying about him not going to Iraq for Christmas time, uh, and then criticizing the troops for having him sign things and say that it was too political, this all ultimately works in his favor because normative Americans, regular people who are watching this, say, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. Listen, there's a lot about Donald Trump to not necessarily embrace. I I'm not a big fan of New Yorkers in general. You know, they're obnoxious. Let's face it. Between you and me. No offense to those of you listening on WABC, but even you will admit, you know, you got a hard edge now and again. You know, and he has a way about him that rubs people the wrong way. Frankly, I kind of enjoy it. But I understand why people don't. But you make him sympathetic when you do this. And they just can't stop themselves. And in this case, they're trying to throw the troops under the bus because they happen to be excited to see their commander in chief. Listen, if you served in the military, if you're a vet, if you're active duty, does that make a difference? I I know you're going to respect the chain of command. I know that it's cool no matter what to have the commander in chief in your uh, in your room uh, addressing you directly. I mean, that's cool. That's the ultimate uh, of the top of the pyramid there in terms of the chain of command. That's that's very cool. I get it. But. It's that much more so if it's somebody that you respect, somebody you support, somebody you voted for. You guys aren't robots when you're in the military. Of course, you respect the chain of command and you're going to salute smartly and do your job. But there's a little extra there if you really like the guy, isn't it? Isn't that what we saw in Iraq? I'd love to hear you tell me. Tell me your story. I love these stories, by the way. Uh, 877-381-3811. A lot of uh, folks who served with Reagan, which is so cool. Uh, Bob, San Francisco, California. Bob, you're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, Larry. Hey, Bob. I sure can. Go for it. Hey, I just want to give you a little insight. You know, going in on the 26th, uh, I've been in 19 years, two different services, uh, operated all over, uh, you know, the continents that that he he went to. And one of the things to think about is going in on the 25th, that's like X marks the spot on the calendar for, for an insurgent to know, hey, let's look around for big, shiny aircraft coming in. I'll give you an example. When I was in uh, Bagram in 2014, uh, Memorial Day was coming up. We didn't even know who was coming in. Uh, they got some plywood, did some, uh, you know, some arts and crafts on it to get a stage set up. And then uh, it wasn't until, you know, Air Force One shows up that we knew who it was, but we still didn't know. We thought it might be, you know, the Secretary of Defense, somebody important, but we didn't know it was the president. And uh, what had happened was a bunch of different squadrons, platoons, they get a list of, hey, you need to go show up at this gate, go back to your room and put your weapon away. Um, and then come to the gate with your ID card. And when people started to find out who it was back in 14 when uh, President Obama came, a lot of people just turned and got out of the line. Um, one of the reasons really, was it's, the first, it's the first time that you're told to put your weapon away, which if you're downrange, you never let your weapon, you know, out of your sight, out of your body. I mean, it's, it's always on you. And for you to be told to go put it away and then you're going to go see the commander in chief, then you're like, well, do you not trust me? I mean, you trust me to come out oh, and wow. do the job, but you can't even, I, you know, let me be in the same room with you. I got to think that's that tip. Isn't that standard protocol? I mean, were you ever in the room with another uh, president in, in the wars? I got to think that that's a Secret Service thing, isn't it? 
absolutely. And, and the amount of prep that goes into it is immense. But to yeah. somebody who just comes outside, you know, off, you know, coming from outside the wire back into, you know, to the fob or to the base, and then you're told, hey, you know, go put your weapon away, go stand in line. And then I'll, I'll tell you, the pictures from that, it was pretty funny because the first sergeant's running around trying to find people to stuff into the, into the hangar. Because they didn't have seat fillers. That's amazing. Bob, I got to move on. But I, I honestly, I got to tell you, I'm actually surprised to hear that. I mean, listen, I know that there were a lot of people in the military who uh, were not thrilled with Obama as commander in chief. Uh, but I'm surprised they didn't still go through. It's still a big deal for the commander in chief to be there. Um, but listen, that's Bob's story. And that's why I'm, I'm asking Glenn in Springfield. Glenn, did it make a difference for you? Oh, you know what, Glenn? Hang on. We'll get to you in a second. Lost track because I'm loving these stories so much. More of your reactions to this in a minute. Were you taken by this when you saw the troops' reaction in Iraq when President and First Lady Trump touched down? And does it make a difference? If you are a vet, did it make a difference for you if you supported that commander-in-chief versus someone that yeah, probably didn't vote for? 877-381-3811. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Our last caller there, this is Larry O'Connor from WMAL in Washington, D.C., filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our last caller there made a great point. This whole thing about, well, he didn't go on December 25th. He went, you know, hours afterwards in the middle of the night on the 26th, the president to Iraq. If if you're trying to keep the president secure, and it's kind of an annual thing, if not semi-annual, for the commander-in-chief to fly in on Air Force One, into an airstrip or an airfield or an airport in Iraq or in Afghanistan. And you've been doing this for almost 17 years now. Isn't it kind of smart to not do it smack dab on the middle of December 25th? You know, isn't that sort of a precaution that we would expect the Secret Service and the military to make? You know, it's probably best that we wait. In fact, you know, we're, we're, we're going to keep you out of harm's way. That's our job, right? That's... It's just asinine. But but that's what the media is reduced to at this point. And then when that story didn't stick, they immediately pivoted to this idea that uh, it's a violation of the Hatch Act. I said Logan Act there. My friend uh, Ken Klukowski there corrected me. Although, you know, the Logan Act is the other bogus thing that they threw out there to, to frame uh, Mike Flynn. But as though I was, you know, accurate in that they come up with bogus charges. It was the Hatch Act. Violating the Hatch Act by having the president sign your hats. Uh, I'm more interested in what these soldiers and airmen and sailors and Marines feel and, and, and Coast Guard and what they feel, what, what's important to them. Why did it look like they were so enthusiastic and so thrilled? And by the way, all sexes, all races, all colors, if that matters to you, that, that was a beautiful sight to behold. The only colors that were important there when the president and first lady visited our troops were uh, desert camo beige and red, white, and blue. And that's how it's supposed to be, despite what the media wants to do in tearing us apart. Larry O'Connor on the Mark Levin Show. He's here. He's here. Now. 
now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. I love Mark Levin. I listen to his show every day. I'm on right before him. Uh, 3 to 6 Eastern in Washington, D.C. on the great WMAL, and that is a great station, by the way. And uh, then I get to listen to him on the way home, and I get to hear all the things that I got wrong. I, whenever he talks about the backbenchers, you know, sometimes I'll send him an email. You know, I wasn't talking about you. It's, like, oh, it's okay if you were. I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> I love Mark Levin, and I, I do love uh, being able to be one of the uh, – the slate of, of truly talented, if I may say, if I may include myself in that list of fill-in hosts for Mark Levin. Uh, in fact, that brings me to my topic du jour, uh, because usually when Mark does this, he's on vacation, it's uh, planned out, uh, we all sort of get one day, we share it. He's got a great slate, and it's we've got a variety, we share some things, you know, Dan Bongino, Ben Ferguson, uh, and myself, we're all friends, I know both those guys really well, and we all have different days. I know there's a couple other guys, I'm sorry I'm not remembering their names right now. Uh, I won't be here tomorrow. You'll get somebody else. So this is basically my last chance to speak with you in 2018 on the Mark Levin Show. And usually when you have your year-end program, you know, you do some of the typical year-end New Year's kind of topics for news, for politics, for the talk radio format. And and that's what I want to do right now. I understand. I get it. It's uh, It's not New Year's Eve yet. But there's only two more broadcast days here this week. I know that there's going to be another broadcast on Monday, December 31st, but you'll all be sloshed by then, right? So so let's start this. I want to know what your New Year's resolution is for President Trump. I don't care what your New Year's resolution is, frankly. I know you want to lose weight. I know you want to get in shape. You'll be great. I believe you. It's wonderful. But I, I know you want to read more, study less. Uh, watch less television, watch less Netflix, you know, I get all that. But honestly, I would like to know what your resolution for the president is. 877-381-3811. Uh, more often than not, when I do a public appearance, if it's in uh, my old home state of California in Los Angeles, where I spent a lot of time, uh, if it's in New York, where I used to live for many years, uh, if it's in Washington, D.C., where I currently live, or maybe Chicago, um, whenever I ask the audience, I always turn to an audience at a live event and I say, do you wish the president tweeted less or tweeted more? Now, in those cities that I just mentioned, almost the vast majority, let's say, all say that they wish he tweeted less. But can I tell you, when I do an event in Frederick, Maryland, in Leesburg, Virginia, um, in uh, Ontario, California, right, somewhere somewhere more in the rural areas, Away from the urban center, if I'm doing an event in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where my uh, in-laws live, they want him to tweet more. It's a really fascinating dichotomy there. And and almost always when I say, what is your New Year's resolution for the president? It always has something to do with his tweeting. And, and, and if that's the case, if you want him to tweet less, if you want him to tweet more, if you want him to be funnier, I don't know how you can be funnier from the Green Acres tweet that he sent out when signing the farm bill. Last week, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I'd love to hear from you at 877-381-3811. I think a no-brainer resolution for the president um, is actually it's a negative uh, resolution. It's something I don't want him to do. I don't want him to cave. I want him to hold the line. I want him 
to push this issue on the wall now with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats right up as far as he possibly can and even further. Don't get wobbly. Push it, push it, push it. You win this issue. You win on border security. You win on the wall. You win on the fence, whatever you want to call it. This is your issue. Own it. It's how you won. It's a big part of how you won. Don't cave to Nancy Pelosi. It's who you are. It is. This defines who you are. And it's the right thing to do. Uh, But what would you like to see from the President of the United States one year from now, looking back on 2019? What would you have liked to have seen him change, fix, improve upon, or accomplish? What do you want to do looking back one year from now if I'm able to be talking to you and say, yeah, yeah, he did it. That's what I was hoping. 877-381-3811. Let's go to Bob, Mooresville, Indiana. Bob, you're uh, first up. Uh, What do you want the president, what do you want his resolution to be? I would like for uh, our president, who, by the way, is a tremendous fellow in my estimation, to start reading the comments on Twitter, uh, especially with regards to his tweets. He will find that overwhelmingly uh, there's more than just the base that are looking after him. I mean, I read, I'm new to Twitter, and I'm reading these comments and responding to a few of them. And it's amazing to me. Uh, atheists, people from other countries, people from Canada, people from all over the world are tweeting wonderful things about uh, Donald J. Trump. And I think it's great. Well, Bob, you know, those are all Russian bots, right? <laughs> they- you know, I'm new to it. I don't know uh, uh, all, all right. I need to know about it. But I think a lot of these people are pretty genuine. I, I'm joking, of course. But that's what they would have you believe, Bob. Thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, we, we need a Mueller investigation on all of those positive tweets that the president gets. Because it, it, was it in the original Slavic or did they translate it well? Uh, Nell, Palm Springs, California. Oh, boy, do I love Palm Springs, Nell. You're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Okay, Nell? Yes, go for it, Nell. You're up. Oh, okay. Uh, that he, the president ignores all the bad publicity. He's a wonderful guy, and he doesn't deserve it. Well, when you say you want him to ignore it, you mean you don't want him to punch back? You don't want him to call out the fake oh, news? No, no, and- I want him to call it back. I don't want him to. Uh, I want him to ignore the fact that for on a personal level, because it's ah. so bad, and he doesn't deserve it. So, in a way, you're telling him, don't don't believe it, don't take it to heart, because we exactly, don't take it to heart. Exactly. Thank yeah. you for rephrasing that. All right. Now, no, no problem. You know, either answer would have been fine. Now, uh, thank you for the call from Palm Springs. I do, I, I do hear from some people who say, listen, we know it's fake news. We know these people have it out for him. We know that they're lying about him. He diminishes himself and diminishes his office when he gets down in the gutter and does this fight. Let us fight for him. Let us get in the gutter. I've often lamented the fact. You know, I, I, I wonder out loud, where are all the president's men? You know, Bill Clinton was accused of some pretty awful things in his presidency, and it turns out he was guilty of the vast majority of them. But he had these loyalists, these Paul Begalas, these James Carvilles, these people. He had these loyal people who would take a bullet for him. Not to diminish what the Secret Service literally does, but they would figuratively take a bullet for him, go out there, make asses of themselves defending that guy and attacking anyone who was going after Bill Clinton. 
Where are those people for Donald Trump? Why is it Donald Trump, the president, has to be the one to get down in the in the muck, get get himself dirty and bloody? Obama never needed to do that. Oh, my gosh. He always had the clean press look going. He never got into the fisticuffs or anything. I mean, he did a little bit at the beginning. And then uh, people said, yeah, not a good look for you, Barry. Not a good look. You let us. We got your back. That's why you have a mainstream media. That's why you have a, a network news. And cable news. We got it. We'll do the fighting for you. And he did. And it worked out just fine for him. Where are all the president's men? I would love that to be a resolution. Get some loyal people who are good on television, who are able to fight back against the horrendous things said about you, and can effectively make your case. You shouldn't be the only one. Uh, let's go to... Uh, and by the way, if you hear somebody else say your suggestion, what you have as a resolution for the president... Don't let that dissuade you. You know, don't, don't give me this. Oh, well, that person stole my thunder. I, you make your thunder, man. If, if you're going to repeat something, you make it your own because I'm trying to keep a tally here. I'm interested in what you all want. I'm interested in what your priorities are. So go, go ahead and repeat something if you've heard it before. Uh, let's go to Rhonda in Carbondale, Illinois. Rhonda, you're next up on the Mark Levin show. Hi. Hi, Rhonda. Hello. Um, actually, my my resolution for uh, the president would be the wall. That's that's the big one for me. Um, I'm very, very concerned about the national security and immigration. Um, I think that it's been long overdue. And um, I I know people have said that it's a crazy idea with this whole idea, you know, with this humongous wall, it'll never be done. It's too expensive. You know, um, I say, I said, good. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, there's such a big, big project that needs to be done. Uh, and I'd like to be able to see it done just so all his detractors, you know, all the opponents are against this. Um, right. we can actually say, you know, he, he did it just well, like he promised. Rhonda, listen, and I appreciate that, and thank you for the call. I am 100% with you on that. And, yes, I mean, the, the residual benefit of getting the wall built, and even if that means the president declaring a national state of national emergency, and this is a national security issue, and so, therefore, as commander-in-chief, he's appropriating the funds himself because uh, it is to secure our borders. I think that that's well within his rights. And, frankly, I think because Congress has already voted to build the wall, um, he has the right to move money around within the ICE budget to get it done. And, by the way, if they want to sue over it, fine. Take it to the Supreme Court. Love to see that argument. Uh, listen, it would be a great fringe benefit to be able to say, aha, you said he couldn't do it. You said he'd never do it. You said you'd stop him from doing it, and he did it. So pound sand, Democrats. Pound sand, Chuck Schumer. Pound sand, John Kasich, and never Trump Republicans. That would be great, but that's just the fringe benefit. The real reason to get that wall done is because it is sound policy. It is sound security policy, national security policy, and it is sound immigration policy to actually have coordinated and regulated points of entry to cross our border so that it's just not a free-for-all. This is a safety issue. It's a national security issue. I'm with you. That's that's obviously what I need him to do. Uh, but many of you have uh, different takes on uh, the wall. Many of you do want his resolution to be about the wall, but you have different approaches. So I'm going to hear you next. I've got a little bit more on this as well, but you all have great ideas, so so keep it here. We're taking your resolutions for the president in this coming year. It's the end of the year. It's our New Year's special, and we need to let the president know what we are hoping he's resolved to do. I'm Larry O'Connor, and you're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin.
Blues. I know it's December 27th, but I'm not going to be here tomorrow or Monday. So I want to have a conversation about New Year's. We, we figure out what our New Year's resolutions are. But most specifically, what is your New Year's resolution for the president? The POTUS resolutions. And I'm seeing a trend here. They all have to do with our southern border. And that's good. He needs to hear that. Big time. Patrick, Garterville, California. You're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Preach it, Patrick. Hey, hey Larry. Almost happy New Year's to you, my man. Dang. Here's my here's my here's what I want President Trump to do. I want yes. him to do to do a Reagan esque fireside chat to the American public. I don't care how long it takes ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, and tell the American public why he wants the wall. That's it. Yeah. You know what, Patrick, you're right. In fact, it's not even about why he wants the wall. It's why the wall is necessary for our security and for enforcing our immigration policy. When the facts are laid out there, it is indisputable. In fact, they all voted for it. In 2006, these Democrats who are now opposing paying for it voted to build the thing. Yeah, but they never intended to really believe that. The Democrats talk out of both sides of their mouth. We know that. But I I swear to God, if Trump does that, and gives a Reagan-esque, because you know how Reagan used to give fireside chats. Yep. With heartfelt conviction, love, and appreciation for this country, people will listen to that. The ones that are not going to vote for the wall are going to still stand down, and, and they'll, uh, they'll go do their stuff. But yeah. that will bring a lot of people into the fray that listen to Trump. And he's he's good. When, he, when, when he's out there talking in front of people and so forth, he is very convicted, and he is very, very, very good at what he does. All right, Patrick. Patrick in Garterville, California. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're right. Garter, Patrick's resolution is the president needs to give a speech to the American people, an Oval Office address on the need for the wall. Lay it out. Make your case. You will win this argument. I've heard some people in town in Washington, D.C., my hometown. Well, not my hometown, but the town I work in and live in. Uh, say that they're uh, they're focusing on the State of the Union address to do just that. Bad idea. Bad idea, bad idea. State of the Union address, first of all, is always chock full of a bunch of other topics. This needs to be topic A through Z, one through infinity. It's got one topic and one topic only, border security, border wall, border fence, call it what you want, but why this is needed. It needs to be an Oval Office address. It needs to be clear. It needs to be concise. It needs to have visual aids. It will get lost in the shuffle of a State of the Union address. And by the way, you don't have to wait that long. State of the Union is what, the third, fourth week of January? Don't do that. Get it done now. Get it done first week of January. Welcome Nancy Pelosi to D.C. with your speech and challenge them. Challenge them to dispute the facts. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Uh, Glenn in uh, Warwick, New York. What's your resolution for President Trump? Hey, Glenn. Get Glenn, go. Uh, All right. Glenn is uh, listening or something or put it on mute. Uh, but he wanted to get the 302s classif- declassified and other documents from the DOJ. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, I was hoping the president would have done that by now. I don't understand what the weight is. Uh, ho- hopefully, Acting Attorney General Whitaker is on that job right now. I want to see what those 302s said. I want to see exactly what these Justice Department documents said. By the way, so does Congress. So do the people who have the constitutional oversight here 
to make sure that we don't have an FBI or Justice Department or intelligence community running amok, spying on American people for political purposes. Because without seeing that information, with them continuing to, to, to hide it from the congressmen who have a right to oversight, it certainly appears like that's exactly what we had. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, stay there. We're going to get to you in a moment. We got a bunch going on here. Jeff in Chandler, Oklahoma. Uh, Dia in Hickory, South Carolina. Jim in Denton, Texas. We're going to get to all of you and the rest of your calls as well. A whole lot coming in here as we ask what your resolution is for the president of the United States. And if you want to talk about his tweeting, if you want to talk about, you know, I, I actually saw somebody tweet out the other day on uh, his Twitter that he would love for the president to come up with a new hairstyle this year. Remember when Rudy Giuliani used to have the comb over? Remember that? He had the big, uh, he had an epic comb over going on. And then he showed up one day on the news and he had, he had pretty much just given up. He said, all right, we're not going to do the comb over anymore. We're not fooling anyone. We're going to go ahead and, and embrace this look. I got the hair on the sides and on the back, you know, like a borscht belt comedian. I got the bald head and I am who I am. I'm Rudy Giuliani. I'm a New Yorker. I'm an Italian. This is who I am. I look like who I am. And it was great. It was beautiful. It was a good look. What would happen if Trump did that? What if Trump actually ditched the Trump hairdo? I know that's not the most important topic in the world, but, you know, all bets are off here. We watch your presidential resolutions for 2019. Larry O'Connor on The Mark Levin Show. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I am Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. By the way, you can find me, Larry O'Connor, on Twitter with an O-R. And I also do a daily radio show on WMAL in Washington, D.C. Just uh, find me on social media, and that'll click you through to my program. I'm on right before Mark. We're a, a fine compendium of talk radio. That's right, I said a compendium. We are asking you what your New Year's resolutions are for the President of the United States. What do you want him to resolve to do in 2019? We'll go to Jeff Chandler, Oklahoma. I, I spent Christmas in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Jeff, anywhere near there? Yeah, it's just uh, almost halfway between Oklahoma City and Tulsa. All right. That's the, the buckle of the Bible Belt. It's beautiful. You got it. <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to uh, see President Trump put his foot down and build this wall. We need it dearly. And a previous caller hit the button right on the head. Uh, he took the words right out of my mouth. He needs to do a fireside chat. Yeah. He needs to lay it all out. He needs to show that a bunch of these people coming over have, have diseases. You know, we don't know. We don't know who they are. Can't be vetted. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on. But yeah. he needs to have a plan, lay all this out. He needs to go back with uh, film from uh, 10, 15 years ago showing when Democratic the Democratic uh, government also held these people, uh, you know, and tried to stop them from coming over. Uh, you know, he, he's being accused of a lot of stuff right now that, that Obama and Clinton did, too. I mean, I, I, sure. I voted for Reagan. That was the first president I got to vote for. We've been kicking this can down the road for too long. That's right. And, and the Democrats he, and the media have been lying to Republican presidents about it for too long. Reagan signed that bill in 86 with the promise, the tacit agreement that this would be the last amnesty ever. We would solve illegal immigration for good. And look That's what right. happened. Yep. And, and I remember. He needs, he needs to lay this out, though, systematically, show all this stuff to everybody. I, I mean, he, he could probably do it in 30 minutes. He needs to have a well-planned out, well-thought out, you know, uh, organized, more like an info commercial. 
and just show everybody, here's what we're trying to stop. Uh, you know, I, I do construction, and I hate to say it, but uh, it's really crazy, some of the stuff we see in construction. It's all, most of it's immigrant labor anymore, and they don't even speak English. Yeah, you try to build I, a building with, with not, not being able to communicate with anybody. It's ridiculous. I know, so, Jeff. Jeff, thank you. And by the way, that's another part of this problem is that Democrats don't even want there to be an E-Verify program. Uh, and some Republicans, too. I'm not letting them off the hook. They're in the back pockets of the Chamber of Commerce. And they don't want you to be able to do what uh, any bank or any airline or any other agency in the federal government does when they get somebody's information. You know, you fill out those I-9 forms right now. Remember the I-9 form? This was a great resolution coming out of the late 80s with the immigration reform bill there that Reagan signed. Alan Simpson, the Republican, convinced him to do it. So now when you get a job, you got to show your Social Security card and you got to throw your driver's license or your birth certificate or your passport, right? And they make a Xerox of it and you fill out the I-9 form. And that proves that you're a citizen, right? Listen, I used to be a general manager for a major company in Southern California. We had uh, 250 employees. I had a bunch of transient employees coming in and out, union workers, uh, uh, various jobs. Uh, I checked the I-9s. I looked at them. Can I tell you, I was there for nine years employing people. I was never once asked by the federal government, let's look at your I-9s. Let's take a look at what you got there. Let's see if you've checked. Let's see if you've done this. It, we can instantly get E-Verify going, instantly make that mandatory, where if you want to get a job, you need to present your ID and have that plugged into a federal system. They want this for gun owners, by the way. That's the amazing thing, but they don't want it for people who are working in this country. And if they're working in this country for with fake documentation because they're in the country illegally, that means they're breaking the law again. Whose Social Security number is that that they have? And who's going to get dinged at the end of the year with taxes on that fake Social Security number that was stolen from someone? But see, this is part of the equation they never want to talk about. And I agree with you, Jeff. He needs to stand his ground on that. Uh, let's go to Dia Hickory, South Carolina. Dia, you're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Hi. And it's Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Excuse me. What do you want the president's resolution to be? Yes, I want the president to provide for election integrity. The midterm elections in this country, the results of that, what happened in Florida and other states, it's obscene. It is truly obscene. Yeah. Yeah, Dia, you're right. And, and the beauty of it, unlike the wall issue um, or other issues like taxes or spending, this is something he doesn't need Congress for. He can mobilize his Justice Department and say, make this a priority. We saw in these midterm elections how things are broken, things are messed up. And even if you have to put pressure on states who are letting stuff slip through the cracks, the, the, the state government of Florida should be embarrassed and ashamed of themselves for the spectacle that we saw there. Uh, and I, I love that idea. Dia, we're going we're gonna to send that to the president so he knows it's the... Uh, the resolution you want him to execute, all right? Get really angry about it because it is really something very important. You know, like you said, they expect people to fill out paperwork to, uh, you know, to to do this and that and the other. But you can just show up any time, any day, and pretend you're 180 years old. Apparently, you're still on the voter rolls, and you get to vote. And that's yep. what different like who we elect if you can't trust the results of the election. That's right. It's It's the worst feeling in the world when you see the end of an election and people have all of these questions about whether that was the real result. And it's the same if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, and, and we need a sound system. And I don't understand why you can, again, you can bank, you can, you can trade stocks, you can book airplanes, you can purchase weapons, 
and it's all pretty locked up tight. You know, there's not a whole lot of fraud going on there. And yet we're not interested in locking down and making tight our election process. Jim, uh, thank you for the call, Dia, there in uh, Hickory, North Carolina. By the way, North Carolina knows better than anyone uh, the uh, problem with election integrity. Jim in Denton, Texas. First call from Texas. Good to talk to you, Jim. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. You bet. Three points. One, Mr. President, be your title. I don't need your justification. You don't have to prove to me that you can have a smarter quip towards Rosie O'Donnell or any personal attack. You have the authority. You were elected. Promote your agenda. Make your decisions. Be your title. You don't have to justify anything. We have you. We support you. Two, do not presume that the Democratic leadership will ever have a honest, cogent, intellectual conversation about what they want to do. They are lying. They are disingenuous. They don't care. So every time we make a cogent argument, we presume that they have the same interests. Yeah. Do not make them prove that they have an honest intellectual intent to have an argument about solving a problem. Until they prove their intent, do not ever engage them in a way that honors them as honest or integrity, integral to what we're trying to solve. Three, you have the mandate to go and solve the people's problems. Bring the people that will actually bring solutions and make honest arguments. I would make every single argument that I want to do in my agenda public. I would make Nancy Pelosi, I would make Mr. Schumer stand there and tell me why Mr. Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton has changed their mind or they lied. And until you answer that question, I would never entertain any intellectual argument towards any solution. Because the reality is you have to admit one of those two things. They lied or they never intended to solve the problem. He has nothing to lose. Make them prove that they're in the game. Other than that, promote your agenda. Thank you, Jim. Jim in Denton, Texas, has a three-point pen, three bullet points there. Almost sounded like, and thank you for the call, Jim, it almost sounded like that first one, though, you know, in terms of be your title, be the president. It sounds like he's wanting him to to forgo getting into some of the, you know, public spats with the Rosie O'Donnells of the world and Alec Baldwin's and criticizing Saturday Night Live. And uh, I'm of two minds of that, actually. I Listen, the uh, I, I got brought into this world by Andrew Breitbart, and uh, Andrew knew better than anyone that... Uh, all of this politics stuff is, uh, is secondary to what goes on on television, what happens in the movie theaters, uh, uh, what happens on the Internet, our culture, our music industry, our film industry, our, our cable television, our streaming television has much more influence. And frankly, uh, hundreds of millions know much more about what's going on on their favorite streaming show that they're binging than what goes on in American politics. And I'm not saying that because I think they're ignorant or that they're not interested in being informed, I think that uh, ultimately when push comes to shove, if a person at the end of a long day at work wants to unwind, they're not going to do it getting angry at cable news or getting fired up by talk radio. I, I Listen, I think that's a part of their life, but I also think they need an escape. And when you see those, those issues and uh, political messages embedded into those uh, pop culture venues, that has a huge impact. 
Don't kid yourself. So when Trump plays on that playground, when he pushes back against Saturday Night Live and Alec Baldwin and actually uh, provides an alternate reality to the people who watch that and actually speaks up for himself, I kind of like that. God knows Bush never did that. Uh, the second Bush. The first Bush did because Dana Carvey and those guys were not nearly as nasty to him. Uh, but you got to get that. You got to understand that. And as an observer, someone who wants to see my president push back and defend himself, so I'm not the only one doing it, I like it. I like it. Let's go to, uh, how about Jackson, Birmingham, Alabama. You're next up. I'm Larry O'Connor on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, man. Uh, great show tonight. Appreciate Thanks. You my call. Hey, uh, all right. So we're going back to what? What the what we want the president? Yeah. What's your What's your New Year's resolution for the president? What you What do you want him to come out on New Year's Eve and say? Here's what I'm going to do, Americans, going forward. I, I, I don't know how to how that would be, but but I know I've, I've been in law enforcement since uh, 2007, 2008, and with illegal immigrants back then, if they if they had a DUI or any kind of if they if they came to jail, they would actually hold them for ICE to come and, like, interrogate them and, and verify. Because, like, if they came and they couldn't speak English, they didn't have a Social Security number, they were yeah. actually they were held in, like, a county jail. Right, but that would, that's only if you're not a sanctuary city, county, or state. If that happens in the state of California, uh, they'll, they'll not, they're not going to cooperate with ICE. If it happens in Montgomery County, Maryland, or Prince George's County, Maryland, they're not going to cooperate with ICE. Uh, they let the person go, and I think that's what we're seeing play out in California right now with this uh, manhunt for this illegal immigrant who uh, shot and killed somebody. And, and it sickens me. And I, so a new, the, the, the resolution, I, I would like to go back to where if, 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 if we actually have them in custody, let's, let's try to see what's going on. They would actually send them back. I mean, they, they would, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, it, that. No, I understand, Jackson. You know, a guy gets picked up, he gets collared doing some shoplifting or on a DUI or something like that. They run his name through a database. People from ICE say, oh, yeah, he's here illegally. We got a re- uh, we want a detainer on him. Hang on to him. We'll go and take care of him. Uh, in fact, what you're saying is basically go back to the policies that we're supposed to have, enforce the law as it's supposed to be enforced. The problem is this administration is getting blocked at every level by local municipalities who, in my opinion, are unconstitutionally superseding the federal government's role in enforcing immigration policies and immigration laws. And they're getting blocked by out of control judges at the federal level who put injunctions on those policies because uh, they have an agenda because they don't like the president or in some way they want open borders and want people to be here even if they're illegal. All right, we'll continue with more of your resolutions. We want to know, what do you want the president to resolve to do? It's the end of the year Mark Levin program, and it's time for your New Year's resolution. Not yours, the president's New Year's resolutions. Do you want him to stop tweeting? I get it. 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Mark Levin Show, Larry O'Connor from WMAL, Washington, D.C., sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. A lot of you on social media, on Twitter, saying this was fun, that this whole spend an hour doing New Year's resolutions for the president. This is the kind of thing I like to do. Uh, I do like to do talk radio a little bit different than other hosts do and come up with topics so that everyone can participate and come up with their own takes 
uh, and it inspires a larger conversation. I think if you like what you hear, I'd love for you to check me out at uh, at Larry O'Connor on Twitter, and that links to my show page. It links to my radio station, links to everything that I'm doing, and I do appreciate you uh, tolerating me tonight because, trust me, I'm the biggest Mark Levin fan, and uh, and when you hear that he's not here, he's not here, It's uh, I know it's it can be disappointing, but thanks for sticking it out. Uh, we're asking you what your resolutions are for the president in the upcoming year. Uh, let's go to uh, Bob, Exeter, California. A lot of calls from California today. Love it. Bob, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, good to talk to you. Um, I believe that the president needs to use things like this government shutdown to force the hand of legislation. I think congressional Republicans in the past have shown very little ability to bring him anything that is truly of his liking. So I mm-hmm. believe that if he's creative and he's the best deal maker we've ever had, that he can use events to force legislation. And then I believe because he'll be basically steering the ship, he'll be able to out deal make Schumer and Pelosi because he's 10 times better than these guys ever thought about being. And he's, um, uh, so yeah, he's just basically so far ahead of them in the deal making um, ability. So I think that's well, what he needs to do. He needs to force legislation. I hope so, Bob. And thank you for the call. I hope I, I would assume that you're right on this. But here's the thing to make a good deal, to make a killer deal with these guys, you got to have partners over there in the legislative branch. You got to have McConnell. And you got to have McCarthy, your minority leader now, who understand the rules, who understand where the bodies are buried, who understand what the Democrats' real priority is here. And they've got to be partners in this. And I haven't seen that kind of cooperation up until this point. But I'm with you. Absolutely. And, and again, communicate it to the American people so we know exactly what he's doing and what they're saying no, no, no to. Uh, let's go to Janet. Oyster Bay, New York. Oh, the... the the uh, Oyster Bay, New York, is is the location for that great TV show, Turn, Washington Spies, on a Did you watch that, Janet? Um, Janet? No. Uh, a, sometimes, yes, hello. It's sometimes a great I series. Watch. you got to watch it. It's all about the Long Island uh, spies for George Washington during the Revolutionary War. It takes place there in Oyster Bay. All right, go ahead, Janet. What's your resolution for the president? Well, my resolution for President Trump is, first off, I love Mark Levin. And I'm so happy you're on because I'm getting introduced to your point of view. And thank you. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Um, but my resolution would be for him to switch his tactic regarding the illegal aliens by constantly bringing up that they're uh, criminals and drug dealers, et cetera, and get together a lot of statistics showing what the economic loss our country suffers because of so many illegal aliens. Yeah, he, benefits we give out. He's doing both, Janet. I hear you. I've heard this a lot because you think that uh, for for many minorities and people who immigrate uh, legally that that's a turnoff that it makes it sound like he's painting everyone from another country as some sort of criminal and i get that and i think that that is an important thing that he needs to try to nuance but ultimately fact is the crime aspect is a big part of this i'm larry o'connor thanks for listening to the mark levin show